Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. All right, yeah, this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. And as you do, let's go ahead and give a, another round of applause here for Brittany. And, uh... All right. Um, yeah, thank you again, Brittany. We're, we're blessed to have their, uh, the Bumcluster family in our home uh, consistently and just getting to grow alongside them. And uh, yeah, just uh, means a lot to get to be a part of that um, with you all. And um, um, now as we, uh, as we get into the scripture this morning, go ahead and turn with me there to John chapter 1. If you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, would you go ahead and hold your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you one. And um, if you don't own a Bible, you do now, okay? This is our gift to you. Y en español, si quieres la Biblia y no tienes, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y uh, si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en, um, en, en Juan capítulo 1. Um, so again, uh, this is a gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, um, please keep this, put your name in it, and uh, make it your own. And as they're handing those out and we're turning there again in this Advent season, let me remind us what we're, what we're doing. As I said, it, it's, we're kind of in a place where we are right now in 2017 where we get to look back and see the fulfillment of God's promises and also look ahead at, at, the, at the not yet fully realized but guaranteed promises of God. And so how we're doing that is we're walking through this series, What Child Is This? Right, as we look at Jesus and we consider who, who is this? What are we, what are we doing? Um, what is, you know, what does Jesus mean to, to, to all of human history? Uh, historically, what does he mean to us personally? And, and then how do we respond to him? And so we're walking through this and we're seeing, um, as we looked at last week, Jesus, the son of God. And then this week we're looking at the son of man. And then next week we'll be looking at the son of David, always hard to pronounce my own name, um, son of David. And then um, we'll be looking at on Christmas Eve, the son of Mary. Okay, so again, um, son of God, son of man, son of David, son of Mary. And, and so let me go ahead and pray as we get into uh, our time today, looking at Jesus, the son of man. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning we get to be together. Uh, thank you for the reminder of of joy and of the full implications and meaning of joy found in Christ that is um, that, that uh, transcends circumstances and in and in, uh, in, 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 in invades our our homes um, not just when we're prepared and everything looks and smells great but um, in every moment and so I pray that you would even um, reveal yourself to us all the more clearly through our time together in your word in Jesus's name we pray amen all right, son of man is what we're um, looking at this morning, and, and um, it's kind of a weird title, 
isn't it? Like we can, you know, it's, it's one that we maybe, I would guess if we asked, you know, what do these titles mean? The one we covered last week, Son of God, would probably be a little easier for us to kind of figure out, right? To kind of try, make us take a stab at it, um, which I'd encourage when we walk through the Advent, um, we walk through an Advent r- reading as a family each night building up to Christmas beginning in December 1st and um. If you're interested in doing that or have any questions, I'd love to even share with you kind of what we've come to. We've worked our way through all kinds of different uh, books and Advent um, kind of calendars, some of them honestly horrible. And uh, one we found this year is going great so far, right, honey? Um, amen. And, um, and uh, only two of our kids actually dozed off last night, fell asleep during it. But um, that was, uh, but, but we, we walk through this stuff and, and, and um, we even ask our kids and invite conversation. Hey, wh- wh- what do you think this one means? Or what does that word mean? And there's incredible freedom, okay? We want to take away this, this like overly religious kind of feeling of, oh, I can't ask that question. Or, Son of man, what does that mean? That there's a lot of freedom and even encouragement. And when we see people interacting with Jesus, Jesus, there's a freedom, sometimes almost awkwardly so, where you're like, wow, they just went there. They just asked that question or said that, and, and, uh, and that's what we get to do here together. So, son of man, right? A little bit of a, of a different kind of a title for Jesus. And so, let's kind of, we aren't alone in that, okay? We're not alone in, 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 uh, in not understanding this. In fact, um, if I asked you again, what is the, what is the primary uh, self-designation that Jesus gives for himself, um, I, I wouldn't have guessed before preparing for this sermon that it was by far the Son of Man. When Jesus refers to himself over 80 times throughout the Gospels, he refers to himself as the Son of Man, even more than Son of God, Son of David, um, Messiah, Christ. He refers to himself more than anything else as the Son of of man, and yet, interestingly, no one else refers to him that way in the entire Gospels. In the New Testament, only one other person, Stephen, right before he gets stoned, um, refers to Jesus as the Son of Man, but that's it. I, I was just astounded by that. And by the way, when I say got stoned, it means like people threw rocks at him, okay? Um, not, <laughs> not our contemporary definition of that, okay? Um, and, and, you know, killed him by throwing stones at him. And so he, he um, refers to Jesus as the Son of Man, or he, he saw the Son of Man. But that's it. And yet Jesus consistently calls himself at that. In fact, look at this inter- interaction here as Jesus is, um, is calling his disciples to himself. Pick up with me in John chapter 1, um, right before where we were in our scripture reading, verse 43. We'll see this um, interaction of Jesus calling some people to himself, and then he'll use this phrase, son of man. So the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Get, can anything good come from Nazareth? Okay, there's this kind of question of this Jesus. Again, a freedom that we see here of, I'm not just going to take for granted. Like, I can ask this question, what child is this? 
Who is this Jesus? And then you see that, um, right, the response there that Nathaniel gives, like, he's a hater a little bit. You know, um, like, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, he's real. He's like, it's a, it's a little town. You know, is, it, is, it, is this guy really worth meeting? And then look at the invitation to say, I, I, some of us have family members like myself who we don't know where to go with them. When talking about Jesus, even during this Christmas time, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what to share with you. I don't know. And, and, and so often it can simply be, come and see. Like, come, be a part of community. Come, come hear about Jesus. Just I, all I can say is invite you into my life and to kind of my, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And my, and my prayer and my hope is that you'll see Jesus. And then it's, it's up to him to reveal himself from there. And so we see that happening. And then Jesus interacts here with um, Nathaniel. And there's this whole interaction. And Jesus basically tells him, kind of, kind of shows him, I know you. Okay, and then this is what happens here. Nathaniel answered him and, and said, as his eyes are opened, he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. And then he just moves on. Like, that's a weird response. Okay, again, we can be real here. And it's like, you know, Nathaniel's like, can anything good come from Nazareth? I don't know about this Jesus figure. And then his friend says, hey, just come and see. And he sees and he's like, whoa, Jesus, God the Son. Okay, I'm tracking with you. I'm tracking. This is good. And he tells Jesus, Jesus, you're the Son of God. And he's going. And then Jesus is like, yeah, that's good. And he keeps going. And then he starts getting weird on him. And, and Nathaniel could be like, uh, you, you lost me there. Like, why, you know, almost like, why'd you have to keep talking? Like, you had me there. I, I was settled. Okay, I had you, I, I had you under, I understood you. I put you in a little box. Okay, you're the son of God. I'm good with that. And now you start talking about being a ladder and angels, like climbing up and down you. I don't understand this. And it's a, it's, a, it's a bit weird. And again, it's okay for us. In fact, the people that would read this, these gospel accounts would be encouraged and even invited in the way it's written to kind of track along as well and say, yeah, that is weird. And let me just say, whenever you read God's word, which I strongly encourage all of us to do, not just here together, but on our own, um, often people will say that John is a really good place to start. Whenever you find something like this, it's kind of weird or it's kind of confusing. Um, it's like underline it, maybe circle it. In fact, even look, there are small numbers. Those are called footnotes. Um, for those of you that didn't go to U of A, went to other schools here and, you know, um, no. <laughs> So, hey, I got to get my shots in where I can. Um, no, you, um, you, you look there and there are down at the very bottom, it, it'll tell you when there's an Old Testament reference. And when Jesus um, is speaking and is often, you'll find like the majority of the time, in fact, he's quoting from the scriptures, revealing that he's fulfilling God's promises from of old. And that's what's going on here from Genesis um, all the way in uh, Genesis chapter 28. Jesus is referring to a, a promise that was made, again, a very confusing and weird one to a man named Jacob. Okay, so look with me there as we kind of see some of these dots connected here in Genesis chapter 28. 
Uh, verses 12 through 16, but I'm just gonna read verse 12 here. And Jacob, so he falls asleep, this guy Jacob falls asleep and he has a dream. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and at the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Sound familiar? There's this picture of heaven opening up, okay? This picture of this guy, Jacob, who if, you've, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, there are promises, okay? There are, um, there's this guy, Abraham, who was kind of the first one to receive the promises of God, that God would, 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 would reconcile all things to himself, that God would use this man, Abraham, to be a blessing to the entire earth, and that through him and his name, a name would be established, and, right? Because um, just to kind of pick up where we are here in the story, God created us to love love him and know him and have our identity and our purpose and our joy found in him. And then sin enters into the world. We said, thanks, but no thanks, God. Uh, we kind of turned on him and rebelled and, and sin entered into the world. And as you read through Genesis chapter 3 through 11, it's going from bad to worse. We've kind of used this imagery almost like a toilet bowl, just kind of getting worse and worse and kind of going down until God steps in. In Genesis chapter 11, it's the first, you see God, God comes and intercedes and he kind of confuses the people because they are about to go off once and for all. And then in Genesis chapter 12, he focuses in on one man, Abraham, and that's Jacob's grandfather. Okay, you have Abraham, um, Isaac, and Jacob here. And, and so God, now we see the beginning of these promises being fulfilled as he focuses in on this man, Jacob, and yet, okay, hear me. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, yet, this is still weird. In Genesis chapter 28, and from there on, it doesn't, it doesn't get more clear. It's not like Jacob, wait, okay, there are promises God makes afterward, and Jacob would wake up and be like, okay, I understood some of those promises. I'm gonna, you know, and he has 12 sons. That becomes the 12 tribes of Israel and stuff. But this weird scene with a ladder and angels ascending and descending on it is not really clarified. And then we see like thousands of years later, Jesus coming and defining himself as he reveals himself to his followers and says, I am the connection point between holiness and brokenness, between, between almighty perfect God the creator and his rebellious creation through, through me and through this title he, he gives of son of man, you will see not just, oh, you're, you're the son of God. Okay, I'm tracking with this. I get this. I accept this. But even greater than that, you will see ultimately the connection point between heaven and earth. And it is focused on Jesus. What child is this? Who is this? He's the fulfillment of all of God's prophecies from the very beginning. So we saw there from, 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 from Genesis uh, chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 12, here Genesis chapter 28, all throughout the Old Testament, this building anticipation of what is God going to do to connect this brokenness with himself? What's he going to do? And there's anticipation and there's promises, but then not yet fulfilled. And then we see again in this first advent, this arrival, Jesus the Son of Man, the one who came, the fulfillment of God's promises. In fact, in, in um, Mark chapter 10, as Jesus 
is, uh, is, is, is again revealing himself to his people. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it's, it, this is Jesus speaking about himself. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, you see the cross here, and Jesus is referring to his death. It would be like a bridge or another imagery we just saw, like a ladder that would, that would, that would connect God's holiness and our rebellion, that would, that would make it possible for those who have turned their backs, as we see in Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. This, this, this picture of us flailing, of us hopeless and left by ourselves, and then God now revealing himself and saying, but, and then Jesus saying, but through me you will see this bridge built where, where there will be access to God. And he's referring here to his death and his resurrection, to the victory that he would accomplish. And this is a, a kind of a, a further, a, a fuller picture of what we saw last week, right? Jesus, the Son of God, that through faith in him, we too can be called children of God. And it's like, it's like you're zooming in on a, on, a, on a lens and then you kind of zoom back out and it, and, it, and, it, and it widens and you get a clearer picture of Jesus, and so as we celebrate in this Advent season, this Christmas season, where we stand right now, we get to look back to over 2,000 years ago, and we see the first Advent. We see fulfillment of like prophecies like this, where Jesus says that he is the Son of Man, and he came to give his life as a ransom for many, to build like a ladder, right? It's referred to often, again, if you're walking through an Advent thing, sometimes it's referred to as Jacob's ladder. It's not really Jacob's ladder, right? It's God's ladder. Jesus, the one through whom uh, reconciliation can come. And so we stand and we celebrate and we look back and we see, what child is this? It's the Son of Man, Jesus the one who came, the one who laid his life down as a ransom for many. And yet, as we zoom out and we dig in all the more to the scriptures, we see that that's a very important, very significant definition of the Son of Man. Okay, If we ended right there and we said, okay, amen, let's just kind of close and respond right now and do this, we would be right that Jesus is the Son of Man that's kind of a fuller understanding of what we talked about last week, that he is God the Son, he's fully God and fully man. Okay, that's, what, that's, that's one understanding of this. The Son of Man is just a fuller understanding of Jesus being fu- fully man. And sometimes we stop there, but that's not the full definition here. There's an even more rich implication, hear me, that informs our our lives right now today, not just looking back and remembering the fulfillment of God's promises in Jesus' birth and in his life, death, and resurrection, but also in looking ahead to that second advent, that, that second coming of Jesus that is also directly connected to this title, this, this glorious definition that Jesus consistently refers to himself as the son of man. It's also referring to the son of man, not just who came, but who will come again. In fact, in um, Mark chapter 13, we see Jesus um, using this almost a direct quote from Daniel chapter 7. 
Okay, if you have, um, if you want to want to look there. In, in Mark chapter 13, you can even, you can even um, write in the, in the margin, Daniel chapter 7, or even kind of turn there, and, and, and you can see um, Jesus referring to himself. Um, in fact, let me just check here because I'm um, keeping track of where I'm at here. Let me just, I'm going to read through this. Um, I don't actually have it up here on the screen, so you can read along if you were uh, good students and you raised your hand and you got a Bible or you have one on you, but if you thought, oh, I don't need it anyway, then um, now look who's laughing. Um, no, I was kidding. But I'm going to go ahead and just read through here. Jesus referring to himself in this connection. It's almost a direct quote from Daniel chapter 7, which again is a fuller, broader um, future promise of Jesus' coming. Um, he says this here. I'm just picking up Mar- uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 5. And Jesus began to say to you, See that no one leads you ast- astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not um, yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. And then here he begins all the more in verse 9. But be on guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake. And it goes on and he builds this understanding of all these things that are going to happen. And he's saying, listen, um, understand that God's plan that he promised from the very beginning is, is, is happening. As Brittany talked about even this morning, your circumstances might look really bleak, but know that my promises that have already been fulfilled will inform those that have not yet been realized. And he continues on to, to explain um, the, the promise. And now look with me in, in, in verse 24, okay? He says, But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see who? What? Louder, that's not a rhetorical question the Son of Man, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven, and so this picture is building this anticipation that's not just the suffering servant, Right? There is an incredibly humble element to this definition that Jesus consistently uses of himself as the Son of Man. The prophets use the same term, and you get this idea of the humility of Jesus, of the, the humble servant, the lamb that was slain. Right? Some of the songs that we sing around Christmas um, go toward the baby laying in the manger and the humility right? The, and this idea. And we, we kind of get that during this season. And then maybe we talk briefly about the resurrection of Jesus and we get a glimpse at the power of Jesus. But, but this time, this Advent season is meant not to only give us a little glimpse and a, and a, and a, and a, and a memory of the first Advent, the first coming of Jesus in humility, but a, a, a growing hope, an anticipation. Okay, like as we interact with our children the day before Christmas morning, we can even disciple them and lead them and talk with them about that being a picture of, of, of this, not just being on Christmas Eve, but 
for all of us, a, a, an everyday life, growing anticipation for the promise of God that will be fulfilled once and for all. And they, they, there's, there's a guarantee that Jesus will return, that he will come again, that he will reveal himself not just as a suffering servant in humility, but in glory. And, and again, as Brittany talked about this morning, when we have a fuller picture of joy that breaks into our circumstances, whatever they might be, we not only look back and say, oh yeah, that's nice, Jesus came and did this stuff so we can light candles and have lights and you know, food that smells good and stuff, but then what do we do when that's not our current reality? Is it just a distant memory that's meant to kind of remind us of days gone by? Oh yeah, God was good then. Or do we stand where we are right now in what's often referred to as the now and not yet? Such an important theological implication that's not just something for people in seminary to discuss and talk about, but that's meant to inform and define our everyday lives here and now, where we look back and we see we're now currently living in light of, in the, in the time of the, the first advent, the coming of Jesus, he's already come, his kingdom has already been ushered in, and we're also in the time of not yet, so that we can still live with great anticipation for what is to come and God's promises that even though our circumstances might say, I, I don't know that I, I'm so hopeful. I don't know that I'm so joyful. How do I know that, uh, that, that that good day, that glorious day will actually come and we can look back and say, oh yeah, God is a God who fulfills his promises. He, he did come. Jesus the Son of Man did come and did give his life. In fact, in um, Mark chapter 14, when Jesus was facing trial, he continued to refer to himself as in both humility and glorious confidence. He says this, or it says this, but he remained silent and made no answer. And again, the high priest, so they're asking him, who are you? Again, just like us in this series. What child is this? Jesus is asked, who are you? And he remains silent. But then they asked him again, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am, which by the way is a declaration of his deity. I am, and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Again, a declaration. This is before Jesus would die. This is before Jesus would raise again. And yet he even knew in that place with incredible, powerful confidence, you don't get to write the end of the story. Okay, whatever you're gonna do to me, okay, again, he would go, he would, he would be beaten, he would be shamed, he would lay down his life on the cross and then raise victoriously from the dead and even that would not be the full end of the story but his promise would be fulfilled that he would again one day return in full glory and he would gather his people, you and me. We're told in Revelation chapter 21 that he'll wipe away every tear, that, 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 that weeping will be no more, that, that, that hope will come, that there will be full and final restoration and joy. And, and, and so this is a promise that he makes. So as we 
respond right now to Jesus as we again kind of ask that question, who is this? Who is this Jesus we're celebrating? What child is this? And then we respond and, and, and we, we answer through our time in the word and we say, oh, it's, it's the son of God. And then we get a fuller picture of that. And then today we say, oh, this Jesus is the son of man. The one who would bridge the gap and the one who came and we look back and the one who, who built a, a, a road, a pathway, a, who made it possible for us to have access to Almighty God. And also the one who already wrote the end of the story that we are marching toward confidently, faithfully, hopefully. And so let me ask us to consider what would it look like for you and me to live our lives. Again, I don't know every story in here, but wherever we find ourselves today, right? Most likely us holding some tension of really good and really joyful and perhaps really difficult and really hard kind of together. What would it look like if we lived our lives in light of the hope, the promise that Jesus has made that he will one day return in future final glory and that that not yet fully realized promise informs how we live right now today. We've heard an illustration given, um, Stephen has kind of fleshed this out before when he's preached, about if you were watching a, a sporting event that you already know the end of, right? And you're following, I don't know about, you know, he talks about like the Seahawks and kind of crazy things like that. I'll bring it a little closer to home here, like U of A, right? If you're watching, if you're watching the 1997 NCAA championship in basketball, when the, when the number four seed U of A, right, takes on the Goliath, number one, overall number one seed, Kansas, and you're watching that, and then you're watching that game, and this back and forth, and then U of A triumphs, right, in the Sweet 16, and then you watch the next game, um, and then you watch in the, in, the, in, the, in the final four, they play number one seed, North Carolina, and then in the championship game, it's a back and forth battle with number one seed, Kentucky, and it goes into overtime, right? What all the ebbs and flows and fouls and shots and miss and all these things, you'd be anxious, right? Highs and lows, all this stuff. But if you already know the end of it, that informs how you walk through the whole process, right? If you know what's coming, you, the, the worry, the struggle, the frustration, the anxiety looks a bit different. And that's just sports. And as much as I joke about it and stuff, it's, it's not, it's not r real life, it's not, it's, not the, it's not the stuff that some of us are going through, the reality. So all the more, what would it look like for us? Not faking, not fake it till you make it, not pretending, but at a real heart level to have such assurance in the hope of the fulfillment of all of God's promises in the person of Jesus that we look back at the first advent, at the Son of Man who came to restore us to our Creator, God, and we look ahead to the future advent, the second advent, when Jesus will come again in glory and in power to reconcile all things to himself. That's what this advent season means for us as we look and we respond to the person and the work and the promises of Jesus. Let's pray together. Again, Father, thank you for your son who you sent, the fulfillment of all your promises and the assurance of those promises that have not yet been fully re realized. 
We pray that future glory and power would break into our present reality. Um, I pray, God, that through your spirit, you would lead all of us right now, individually and communally. Again, Lord, those of us who are weeping and rejoicing simultaneously, perhaps those who are just weeping and struggling, I pray that through community that you've provided, through this time, through communion, through prayer, through singing, through, through, through community, through friends, through new family, uh, I, I pray that you would, you would bring your hope into our current situation. So we pray and we respond in Jesus' name. Amen.